Today's date, September 11th, 2022. 21 years after horrible events took place in New York, Washington, D.C. Lest we never forget 9-11-2001. My name is Matt Knight, joined on this somber day in the Checkmate Studios by Mr. Chris Andrews. We want to thank everybody for listening, as always, uh, taking time out of your day. We thought today would be a great occasion uh, for two red-blooded white males, such as ourselves, to... Red-blooded Americans. 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 We're not quite Toby Keith white. No, nobody's that white. Yeah, well, well, Toby Keith that white. Yeah, maybe uh, Alan obviously. Jackson, maybe Alan Jackson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> earlier, we filmed a uh, tribute to uh, all those who lost their lives and served after 9-11, 2001, uh, the day that the towers came down. And uh, we're still sipping on our old fashions uh, that I instructed you on how we made on that YouTube video. I'll post a link in our bio. Enough of the shameless plugs. Uh, Just wanted to say uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, This is a day of quiet remembrance for all those who died not only on that day, but after that day, defending American freedom because of events that happened that day to include uh, the soldiers that died in Benghazi, as well as uh, the exit from Afghanistan last year. Absolutely. If uh, if you haven't had a chance to, to look into what, what transpired when we pulled out, which is probably the least manly thing you can do, is pulling out. Uh, when we pulled out of Afghanistan, if you haven't had a chance to, to sit down and, and look at what exactly transpired, there are uh, firsthand accounts that are now coming out. Um, shameless plug to, uh, to uh, Black Rifle Coffee. If, uh, if you haven't checked out their YouTube, check them out. They, they did a really good firsthand accounts of those that served in Afghanistan at the time when our fearful leader decided to remove all the troops suddenly overnight decided to take everyone out of Afghanistan and the the ramifications and the the lives that were lost uh, unfortunately because of that so if you haven't had a chance to 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 look at that or or check that out definitely do so one thing I wanted to get into and and I know I didn't talk to you about this Matt but so a little bit of a curveball and I apologize about that but Where were you? What 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 were you doing when 9/11 happened? When when the towers came down? What was your what 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 were you doing? I was in bed. Actually, I was too. Uh, I had called, called out. I had uh, I didn't go to school that day. I was in a, I was a sophomore in high school. Fuck you for being in school. <laughs> yeah, I was a, I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, I know you know we're not that far apart, but as far as historical, far <laughs> historical events goes, our lives were dramatically different at this time, being that I was still in high school. Um, no, I had uh, I stayed home from school sick that day. My I think it was probably you know about ten or ten thirty a.m. and my mom came in and and she got me because of course it was plastered all over the news and yep. went and fired up the uh, I think it was a thirty two inch TV at the time <laughs> not not flat screen and uh, uh, dialed the satellite dish in to probably uh, probably MSNBC at the time I think is what 
was broadcasting the most coverage because the, the mm-hmm. local channels would go in and out on, on different things. But I uh, sat there and watched that while eating uh, Eggo waffles, two Eggo waffles with uh, orange juice for breakfast. Remember, I, I'll remember it for, from now on. Holy shit. <laughs> Every, everybody has those events in life where they remember where they where they were at. So uh, mm-hmm. that, that was me. What was yours, uh, what was yours Chris? Yeah, there, there's, there's very few things that I remember quite as clearly as where I was and what I was doing um, during 9-11. The only thing that comes close is, I, is I'm, I'm old enough, unfortunately, uh, to remember watching the Challenger uh, space shuttle mm-hmm. explosion. Yeah. I remember watching that live on television in school. Because uh, at, the, at the time, we were still, uh, uh, the, the space, uh, NASA and the space thing was still cool enough where we'd sh- they'd show shuttle launches in school when I was going. Was that 89? Uh, 86. Really? Yeah, I think it was 86, 85, 86, somewhere in there. It was, it was early to mid-80s. Gotcha. I know uh, as a young kid, my dad was a huge uh, science and space guy. He would watch all the... Uh, all the space shuttle takeoffs, there was always a satellite feed. If you remember the old big satellite dish where you had mm-hmm. to, you know, hit SATCOM 5, Telstar 4, and it would, <laughs> it would get a, a motor outside of your house 30 feet away, moved a big satellite dish across the sky to, to reel in your channel. Uh, there was one of those channels, uh, probably one of the C-SPANs, mm-hmm. that would broadcast the, the NASA, all of the NASA launches, and he would watch those. And I know that... Uh, I think it was just from from his kind of love of of you know all things space uh, that I kind of remembered more of that than a lot of people in my generation or my age would because gotcha. uh, it was something that we you know we talked about a lot. It's like oh, well if you remember back when the you know the Challenger exploded and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of the astronauts' uh, names were brought up in tributes for, you know, years yep. after that. And I was born in 85. Um, so, you know, it was probably in the you know, early 90s where uh, we were learning about planets and space. And that became like a kind of a, a weird reoccurring theme is like the, me, you know, d- 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 digging into what happened with the Challenger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but for for me, nine eleven. Um, at the time, I was working. I was working at a at a uh, a nightclub, and so I'd gotten off work and and come home. I'd probably racked out maybe an hour before uh, my roommate came in, bust in the room, woke me up out of a dead. I was dead sleep. I, mm-hmm. I like number one. I was drunk because <laughs> I worked at a nightclub, <laughs> right? And uh, I'd I'd maybe been asleep for two hours if I was lucky, and woke me up and in, in, in this delusional state of what the hell is going on? Why are you in my room? Mm-hmm. Um, he flipped on the news on my TV in my room, and it, it took me. I remember it taking me a couple minutes to process. And I asked him, I'm like, what the fuck are we watching? What What is this movie you put on? Yeah. Uh, because... Because you were like, there's no way jet fuel can burn through steel. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get into that part of it, guys. That's just, that's me being, you know, what, sort of facetious. But go ahead with yeah, that. <laughs> well, and we'll, we'll leave the videos from across the street from the Pentagon that didn't show a rocket hitting... Or, or a, uh, a plane um, hitting. The, yeah. There were no videos of a plane hitting the Pentagon. Yeah, it was just a missile. Yeah, we'll, we'll just leave that alone, too. But uh, but anyways, no. If you, uh, if you I, slow it down, I've heard that it's white and has NASA markings on it. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> it was the Challenger. It finally made its way around. And, there you yeah, go. There, there you go. go. It was one of those uh, ro- solid rocket boosters that was just floating around out yeah, there. Yeah, it was just uh, out there in the stratosphere. Yeah, maybe Elon Musk can tell us one day what happened there. <laughs> He probably built it, um, but no. Uh, I remember him flipping on the TV and just having this this 
uh, state of not comprehending what he was trying yeah. to, to communicate to me. And I remember kind of becoming coherent right about the time the second plane hit the second tower. Um, and just the surrealness of trying to grasp exactly what was transpiring and what I was watching live. Yeah. Um, and, and, and unfortunately all the lives that were, that were being taken along with this. And, and I think one of the things, one of the interesting things and, and me being a huge historian and history buff, this is our JFK. Yeah. Yeah. That that was our um that's our moon landing too. That was our moon landing. Yeah. That that was there were so many like monumental things that transpired in the 60s that that our parents got to watch live and had dramatic effects on their daily lives. Mm-hmm. Um the the JF, JFK assassination and um the uh killing of his assassin, I'm blanking on his name at the Lee moment. Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald was I'm, killed I'm, live. I'm Matt, not Jesus, but I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> well, no, I'm just, I'm blown away that I couldn't think of that. But he was shot live on television. Yeah. And, and this was right after our, our parents and our aunts and uncles had all watched JFK get shot and mm-hmm. found out the news of him being shot. And so merely a, a day or two later, he's being brought out of a, a jail and he shot live on on news, mm-hmm. and so our parents got to watch that. So our uh, the nine eleven, and I think a lot of people don't put it quite into context. Is nine eleven for us and our generation is the JFK and the Lee Harvey Oswald of our parents' generation, yeah. and these are uh, events that are going to transpire and and carry on into next generations and you know i as a a, an elder millennial part of that generation i I really want to stop living through historical uh, events once in a lifetime historical punch you in the face um (laughs) you know i know what you're doing and i'm gonna punch you in the face (laughs) i mean it's 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 the damnedest thing you know we we go through you know there's 9-11 there's the what the uh, the housing market collapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you get into some of the weirdest tomfuckery in politics. I'm Jesus not going to get in because I, I will say this: I'm on both sides of the aisle. I consider myself a constitutionalist and a libertarian. I'm neither Demo- Democrat nor Republican because I hold values on both sets of the aisle. Um, I finally it, brought you over to the other side. What, what is the thing? <laughs> it's like uh, I want I want the married gay couple to smoke their weed and protect their property with a firearm. Yeah, like, and just leave us out of it. Yeah, just leave yeah. me out of it. I don't care what you do, you know. But that that's kind of where my my sentiments lie as far as the whole political thing because it's 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 such a circus that that we're watching every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's it's all meant to divide. And I don't watch CNN. I don't watch Fox News. I really don't watch NPR that much anymore. Even though that is where I used to get a good bit of my news. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few more independent outlets there where I go for unbiased, including Australia. Australia uh, has BBC is a decent one too. BBC is is fairly decent. I, I there's a lot of America bashing that sure. I under, you got to filter through that it I, yeah. that I understand. Uh, you know, but their queen just died, so fuck off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Long live the queen, though. I, God save the queen. God save the queen. Oh, he didn't do such a good job. Well, but God, you know, God save King Charles, the third. If he makes it that far, uh, all, all I know is uh, so Betty White was ninety nine, the Queen was ninety six, so America's we still win. up. Yep, and we want the smoke. 
you know what? That calls from one of my favorite uh, sound sound effects. This goes to you, Great Britain. I'm better than you, and you know it. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Damn, now I need a Cletus soundboard, too. Right. <laughs> yeah, sorry for any of you uh, Brits listening who have some... Emotional damage! So uh, I'm sure they'll get over it in uh, 1,776 years. Yeah, just pour out some tea into your local harbor. You know, <laughs> just just make a statement, right? So, uh, you know, while while I, I don't think America is what it used to be, uh, we are still the greatest damn country on the earth. Uh, Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be an, an American patriot. And... Uh, which is why we wanted to do that uh, that tribute to uh, to nine eleven. It, it brought us together, and I, and I, uh, the sentiment goes: I wish us as Americans could be what we were the day after nine eleven, what we were on September twelfth, two thousand and one. For like, for and it was it wasn't just the day after; it was like for like a year, almost a year solid. It was yeah. a long period of time. Everybody was jamming to Toby Keith, man. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. had American flags on their car. I, I, for that one brief part in time america was what it was supposed to be and i would like to see it that way again without some sort of stupid massive tragedy well and, and unfortunately the last time i'd say historically the last time america was that great was world war ii yeah. and that that's what 70 years gap yeah it took us 70 years to get our shit together and, and be patriotic, and and it's completely fallen off the map in only twenty one years. Well, there's there's a cycle that happens. Uh, strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. And God, I'm so glad you brought that quote up, brother, because that is that is one of the best quotes that describes the situation that we're in right now. We are. Th- the problem is, is right now uh, there's still a bit too many of us strong ones around mm-hmm. uh, to kind of let those those hard times come in. But it's it's rapidly decreasing, uh, you know, with, you know, the, the, the woke culture and having to accept everybody and, you know, basically put your values aside. Uh, you know, I, I do say we're not going to get political, but I'm not getting political with this, I don't think. As as men and what I think it means to be a man and a guy and do guy shit, it's, you stand up for something. Uh, you know, and I was kind of thinking that I, w- I was kind of sitting here as we're talking about this and, and trying to think of, of how to segue away from the politics end of things. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head. We're, we're not getting political here. We're getting patriotic. Yeah, patriotic Patri- and and. and- God forbid the term is out there. We might be getting a little bit uh, toxic in our masculinity. Uh, we we actually, with recent events, we might be getting a little bit on the uh, uh, extreme extreme end. Yeah, thank you. That was that was yeah. the word I was looking for. But no, I, I, the thing to remember at the end of the day is is we're we're patriots, and being in a country as great as the country that we live in that has the freedoms that we live in yes there's still room to grow yes we still need to improve because you should always be in a state of improvement Mm -hmm. but tell me a country that is better that is that's the challenge i give to all these people like dubai uh (laughs) dubai is fucking badass no they're richer but they're still like there's so many things that you can't do in dubai like i challenge anyone to go be openly gay on the street in dubai thank you 
I, I challenge you to go to Dubai, and I've talked to people that have been there and lived there. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that you have to take into account as far as just daily living mm -hmm. and how you conduct yourself as a person that as an American, we take for granted, but in countries like Dubai, yeah. you can do the normal same, just something that is completely innocuous to you that we would do here in the United States that no one would give a second thought to, but in Dubai, you're going to go to jail for it. Yeah. I mean, you know? it's, it's, you know. And, and Dubai is a beautiful country. If you've ever seen video or film or pictures of Dubai, it's a beautiful country. Well, it's, it's a, it, it's kind of brown and it's desertous, a, but it's, a, it's beautiful. It's, you know, as, as utopian as it will ever get because there are so many damn rules. <laughs> That's the thing about the, you know, people talk about these, that we need to, we need to become a utopian society and we need to further society. Well, you're just creating more rules and more rules uh, equates to less freedoms. You know, I'll, I'll, I will fully get behind the utopian society idea if you can show me one that's worked. Well, The Indian in the Cupboard was a pretty good novel. Um, <laughs> Haven't read it, but it was that was just a stupid, stupid segue. But uh, you know, basically, it's a kid who has the Indian in his cupboard. Anyway, that's another did, one from my childhood. Did he let him out? That's where the shit got a little weird. Oh. The Indian got out of the cupboard. Shit, see, you teased this, and now I want to read it. <laughs> or now it's, I want somebody to make a movie out of it, <laughs> so I don't have to read it. They did, oh. yeah. It's called The Indian, the Indian in, the in the Cupboard. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that they did the the whole, I think it was a trilogy, maybe more, of the books. But it was, uh, I enjoyed reading those books a lot when I was a kid. And and I'm, again, being politically incorrect, because now there were no Indians. They were actually Native Americans in the cupboard. <laughs> Native or oh no they've they've come up with a a, a new term for them recently what is it uh, indigenous indigenous peoples yep, yeah that's it yeah well yeah I mean if they want to be called I'm I'm fine with it so that's, so it, if that's the case in Surrey County the methamphetamine addicts are now the indigenous peoples <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that's where they came up with that shit indigenous meth heads yeah only in Surrey County though. <laughs> Maybe Stokes. Maybe, maybe Stokes County. Uh, well, so I think, uh, what is it? Pilot Mountain is in Surrey, I think, and they call it Meth Mountain. Oh, wow. Really? At least what, that's what they call it. Uh, the other inmates in the Danbury Jail called it. Well, I knew a girl once who called Meth Mouth. Is that kind of similar? Well, I mean, when we were working for a Verizon retailer up in King in Stokes, we had a loyal customer named Seth Amphetamine. And well, his girlfriend was Meth Mouth. That's what it I was. I thought it was Fred Methel. <laughs> Fred Methel. Shout out, Ken. Good job, buddy. <laughs> Stupid idiot. Stupid idiot. <laughs> so go check out our YouTube, uh, our YouTube tribute to 9/11, where I make an old fashioned. Uh, I'm not a bartender, and I'm sure if you are a bartender, flame me in the comments. I can take it, but. Leave your contact information. That way you can come on the show and tell me everything that I did wrong. Moving on. I feel like that's going directly to uh, our buddy uh, Kevin Bishop. Being a bartender, I, I feel like he's going to tell you nine different ways you fucked that up. He will, and I'll tell oh, him. But he'll he'll do it in a over a 45-minute time. He period. will, and I will tell him every way that I hate his life for him. <laughs> And that's nothing I'm talking behind his back because I've already told him this in a text message. We were supposed to do a podcast last week, and he got busy uh, tweeting watching The Bachelorette. That's not guy shit. That's why he doesn't come on this podcast. I mean, 
did he unclog his vagina when he was done or you know that that <laughs> that weirdly shaped capri sun <laughs> that his girlfriend had in her purse oh dear god it it tasted odd it's like really salty and a little vinegary. salty <laughs> vinegary kind of like copper uh, like uh pennies yeah it tastes yeah. like pennies yeah okay. i don't it was it was it was weird so uh, it's good to know his vagina is unbacked, though. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah. Kevin, we love you. Yeah. And yeah. and we're going to talk shit about you on the air, but, you know, we still love you. You're our favorite metrosexual somewhat guy. Period. <laughs> If you want to hear more of what we're talking about, go check out the Checkmate with Bishop and Knight podcast hosted by myself, Matt Knight, and Kevin Bishop, the man, the myth, the legend, who we are talking shit about. So I know I know off topic for now, but uh, since football season has now started up for mm-hmm. uh, a lot of our guys out there and probably some of the girls too, um, I guess I talked a little bit too much uh, in a social setting today about my fantasy football uh, oh boy. team. Uh, the, the wifey sauce just sent me a meme that said, uh, oh, your boyfriend's a doctor? Well, my boyfriend is now the coach of an imaginary football team for the next four months. <laughs> uh, but along the same lines of patriotism, uh, there's, you know, nothing greater than football season for a lot of people. For a lot of people. Uh, it's not... To me, what it used to be, I think politics has invaded that a bit too much for the past few years. I'm trying to get back into it this year because it seems like the uber wokeism has kind of started to fizzle out mm-hmm. uh, with the NFL movement. So I'm watching it a little more closely this year than I have in years past. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm kind of, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit on the opposite end of that spectrum. Yeah. Um, and and I know this probably isn't going to be a uh, popular opinion. But if if you disagree with me, please let me know. Uh, let us know. Email us. TheGuyWirePod at gmail.com. There you go. I have checked out on football for like the last, this will be the third season. And you're a big Chiefs fan. I, I've, Dude, I've been a Chiefs fan since uh, 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 Joe Montana was throwing the football for him. So that was back to 93, 94. No. Yeah, I think 93, 94. I always get him confused with the Hallmark actor Joe Montana. Yeah. <laughs> It's easy to do. Yeah. But no, I, I've I've been uh following football and, and a football fan for a number of years ever since ever since uh back then. And it, it's just the last couple of years it, it's just a bunch of overpaid babies. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and take the politics. I, I know the, the the kneeling during the na- anthem, that pissed me off. But even if you take all that stuff out of there, I can't follow football without going what two weeks without finding about finding out about a football player beating the shit out of his girlfriend, his wife, something or other. And and back to Kevin Bishop's sentiment: Why is it always in an elevator on camera? Exactly. So because of that, we we've got guys that are getting paid twenty, thirty, ten million dollars a year, and they can't get their shit together. And, and then they want to stand up on a pulpit and tell us how we should live our lives. Mm-hmm. You know what? When you stop beating your wives, we'll we'll, we'll start listening to you. Well, the, I think maybe the issue is that they can afford the bail to beat their wives. Like uh, you know, we've all we've all been mad at our significant others, but you sure, know, but that doesn't excuse it. It doesn't excuse it. But like one big driving factor for me has been I'm not going back to jail. <laughs> <laughs> now I've never been to jail for any type of domestic disturbance, any type of violence, any anything like that. It's always been just dumb shit that I've done. But I, it's not a fun place. And, 
you know, these guys can, we've enabled them to be able to pay their way out of pretty much all the trouble that they're going to get in. And they've made enough money to where, yeah, is, is it going to hurt? Probably. Mm-hmm. But are they still going to be rich? Yeah. Well, and, and that's kind of my, my point is as long as you watch, as long as you are rooting for that player or that team, you're enabling them to do what they're doing. Buying the jerseys, buying the tickets to the exactly. game. And so what's the, the popular meme floating around now? It's like if I pay if I pay $100 for a jersey, I'm part of the team too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as much as some of those damn jerseys cost, I mean, some of them are almost 300 bucks. Right. You're a contributing factor to whatever they're doing. Right. Yeah, you're you're an enabler. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. And I know that's going to be a very unpopular opinion, but deal with it. Yeah, go you go deal with that shit, assholes. Well, now is the segment in our show where I would like to highlight other members of our podcast family. Absolutely, we have a special guest tonight that uh, some of you have come to know and love. And I know there's a there's a couple guests out there, a couple listeners out there that absolutely love him. I've heard great feedback. Uh, Mr. Hank Hill has joined us in the studio tonight in the uh, Checkmate studio. And uh, I appreciate you having me there. Absolutely, absolutely, Mr. Hill. Um, you joined us to to share um, uh, kind of your experience. Uh, we we just recently did this and sharing our experiences with where we were during 9/11. Since uh, we are recording this podcast today on on September 11th, so Mr. Hill, uh, what what was your experience? Where were you when you uh, when when 9/11 happened? What, well, how did you uh, find out? Uh, first of all, you don't have to call me Mister. You don't have to call me Sir. I do work for a living, just like uh, you and Mister Knight over here. Um, uh, not that's a uh, boy. That's a hard one. Uh, I was sitting at my desk at Strickland Propane, uh, where we sell propane and propane accessories, and uh, I get a call from the school because I, Mr. Strickland's very, uh, very intent on not allowing any type of television or media. Uh, we didn't have anything but cell phones and local walkie-talkies for our fleet. Uh, so uh, I get a call from the school system asking me to come pick up Bobby. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, what's he done? <laughs> well, they said he's done nothing, but he's under his desk crying, just like a lot of the kids because of these Twin Towers. Well, I said, what about the Twin Towers? Uh, same ones at the Trade Center in New York? And they said, yeah, it's the same ones. Well, I uh, went and got Bobby, and we came home. I turned on the news, and that's about the time that that second tower fell, and I'm going to tell you. It burned my ass. Hotter than any blue flame on Strickland propane can ignite. Blue I flame. mean, charcoal burns hot, don't get me wrong. But uh, that blue flame from Strickland propane, you won't get any hotter anywhere else. And my ass was burned up because I am a red-blooded American patriot. Absolutely, Mr. Hill. Or, uh, Hank, Hank, sorry. I, I apologize. Absolutely. Call me Hank. Hank, uh, so... What what was what was your initial thoughts when when you saw that? I'm gonna beat up some commie bastards. <laughs> I think that was all of our thoughts. My I think dad, we, we were all along the same same thoughts. My Who dad, did we got to kill. My dad fought in Korea, lost both his shins, so I know that he can live his life without shins, and that's a pretty gruesome injury. That was uh, that was cotton, right? 
Okay, well, that's uh, yeah, that's or, or, or. most people call him Cotton. I just call him Dad. Uh, but uh, you know, it uh, it was a lot. We had to really come together, and 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 we were we were great uh, after that happened, and a lot of a lot of very brave men and women uh, went over and and did the job. They didn't have to. They volunteered. Uh, it wasn't like the the previous uh, two world wars, which I don't know anybody who is a historian, uh, but I always looked at World War II as a continuation of World War One. It was really World War One and a half. It was basically the angry ex stormed out of the room and then came back in and said, "You know what? <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think you're absolutely right there." So no, I wanted to. I wanted to. Uh, I was too old to do anything. Bobby was too young, but I knew a lot of people that really stood up and said, "I'll I'll be your huckleberry." If you know the line from the movie. Absolutely. If you listen to our last podcast, you get a little information about uh, that. I haven't caught up on it yet. Well, you'll have to do that here soon. Uh, Matt Knight is over there saying that he can. He has a clip. It's, uh, I'm your huckleberry. There, there it is. That's a Doc Holliday. I felt like I wanted to go be a badass like Doc Holliday with better lungs. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. That that was that was the sentiment for most of our country at the time, and and unfortunately. It was fleeting. It was short-lived, and uh, we could use some of that today. A lot of people really forgot about what the values are here today, that we should just be kind to your fellow man, live your own morals, stand up for what's right, and take care of your family. And... When all that happened to those innocent people that worked in those office jobs in those towers, no better, no worse off than I am. I really feel like that put life in perspective that a lot of people will never have again. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you hit you, you keyed on a couple of things, you know, uh, right there that I think are pretty profound. You, you keyed on a couple of things there that are pretty profound and lacking from our society these days. So I thank you for bringing those up. Well, it's a respect thing. Everybody's got so wrapped up in what the talking heads on the TV are telling you uh, and not going back to uh, the Sesame Street. They never told you how to get to Sesame Street, but you always knew where it was now, didn't you? Mm-hmm. All right. I think people now need a roadmap on how to live their entire damn life, and they're too worried about... uh. Who liked my post on the Facebook? Uh -huh. My Facebook is just 34 profile pictures of me looking down at the camera because I don't know how to work the damn thing, <laughs> and it doesn't really matter to my everyday life. It doesn't affect me emotionally what somebody says about something that I share or post with my friends because it's there for me mm. and not others. You know, Mr. Hill, I'll say, or Hank, sorry, I keep doing that. Well, you're um, a respectful young man, and I appreciate that. I, I try to be. I try to be. And that, that's something I think is lost a, a, quite a bit from our society. And uh, I, I, I think you're uh, you're illustrating some of that for me, so I appreciate that. But I, I will say there there were pretty a couple of really good pictures of your grill on your Facebook recently as well. You, you've got a pretty impressive grill there, sir. Well, um, <clears throat> I was the top salesperson for the uh uh, the year of 2021 and uh, so far in 2022, and uh, 
Mr. Buck Strickland was uh, nice enough to do a contest where he gave me a, a propane, and I never thought I'd do it. It's half propane and half charcoal. Holy Jesus. Buck said it was all right. So I've been learning both. Now, while the propane fire is hotter, the charcoal fire is more flavorful when you know how to do it right. Absolutely. Well, it, it's good you're expanding your 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 horizons. Um, if nothing else, from a sales perspective, you can you can help uh, guide some of your customers to uh, what the best options are going to be for them. Now, I will say, any of you charcoal customers, your charcoal company ain't going to come out to your house at a moment's notice and replace that that charcoal for you. That's very true. But you call up old Buck Strickland Propane, and if I have to come out myself, I'll be there. Blue flame burning bright throughout the night. I'm more reliable than the mailman. Rain, snow, sleet, and hail. You'll probably need propane. It's like Eric Clapton said, if you're down on the farm and you're trying to stay warm, propane. propane. If your sister is hot and your fingers are not, propane. Propane. Well, Hank, thank you very much. I, I appreciate you coming on to join us today and, and uh, sharing some of your experience from 9-11 and, and some of your expertise on, on propane and propane accessories. I, I, I'd like to make sure that you're available in the future. Do, you, do you, Would you like to join us for maybe a future podcast that, that I, talking I, about propane? I can. I, I'm glad to join you live in living color in the studio. I'm on my way from Arlen, Texas up to Washington, D.C., uh, to do some lobbying for the fossil fuel industry because of all this bull electric bullshit that they're coming out with, knowing that the grid can't handle it. And Gavin Newsom out in California is telling you don't buy anything but electric cars, but you can't charge them, so they're going to Florida to buy the generators. Now, I've seen your basement generator that is uh, both runs on propane Absolutely. and gasoline. Yes, sir. And I find that to be very fascinating. Yeah, no, I, I went with a a dual fuel. Fuel is what they call it. It can run on either gasoline or or propane. And I choose to run it on propane because of the shelf life is much longer. I don't use my my generator unless uh, unless there happens to be a power outage. So normal gasoline that you buy at the gas station isn't going to have the shelf life that uh, that propane propane will. So my my propane and propane accessories make sure that I have power when I need it. You're exactly right. And any of you jackasses running companies out there with these electric forklifts, uh, you can strap a propane tank into one of those, and your charging cost and your fuel cost will immediately go down. And if that's the only thing keeping you from turning a profit in your year one, then you need to come see Buck Strickland. No, you need to come see Hank Hill. Buck doesn't do any selling. You come in that door, I'm going to be on your ass. <laughs> like Alex Stancic, right? I don't know who that is. He knows who it is. <laughs> is that the son of a bitch that sold my grandma a cell phone she didn't need? Absolutely. I'm pretty sure he sold her a, uh, a LG. It was like a G4 or something I'm like gonna that. I'm going to find him and whoop his ass. Yeah, because there was a recall on those things, and he did not do her right. I'm going to smack him across the face and tell him, Shut up, bitch! Well, boys, uh, now that I see Matt Knight's coming back in the room, uh, 
he, he, me and him, we've got a weird love hate relationship, but I'm going to let him get back on his microphone. I'm going to, I, I appreciate him the opportunity for letting me uh, warm his seat up. It's not quite as hot as a tank of Strickland propane would make it. Yeah. He, he's, you're kind of in his seat and I think he's giving me the eye that you need to mosey on along. We'll see you guys next time. Remember the fallen 9-11. Everybody who gave their lives, we appreciate every damn one of y'all. guys mad night back here checkmate studios coming right at you 9 11 patriotic episode guys go check out wild bill last stand podcast he'll educate you on some stuff we also have a couple of friends miss molly and nina that have started their own podcast as of yesterday got the first episode on the books Two undead girls. While they talk about things that I won't talk about, <laughs> they're very interesting. I actually told them, y'all have some interesting stuff to talk about. You should do a podcast. While I won't listen to it. Probably won't listen to it <laughs> because it's not things that interest me. I think they've done a very very good job with their first episode. Excellent. And I look forward to helping them out with uh, their future endeavors, their uh, editing, their uh, recording. Um, and uh, it's interesting stuff they're talking about. Uh, both of them are, uh, are widows, and they talk about uh, coping with loss, among other things, such as astrology and how the mercury is in Gatorade and... <laughs> Uh, how Capri Suns and G- Geminis and Aquariums don't get along. It's uh, it's good shit from a troglodyte such as myself who is uneducated on those subjects. I, I, I'd actually like to be somewhat educated. So, I mean, can they help me understand how crystals can better my life? I think you have to put them in your vagina. I don't have one. They can help you get one. Oh, really? Yes, they can. I'm definitely watching or listening. Listening, not watching, listening. Two Undead Girls, I will post the link in our episode description. Go check them out. Give them a like. Give them a follow. Give them a share. Same thing that we ask of you all. Absolutely. And uh, there's there's another one. There's another one out there. Oh, no, that's just Checkmate with Bishop and Knight. That's my other podcast. Go, 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 go listen that's to that true. one. Go listen well, to that we one. Could, uh, we could give a, a shout out to our friend Michelle. Ah, yes, Sips of Crime. Sips of Crime, Sips absolutely. Sips of Crime, uh, yeah. Uh, if you like murder, mystery, macabre, some maybe um, paranormal. And I feel like they all kind of tie together. They do, they like, do. And it is coming up on the year where I'm, on the time of year where I'm going to change my name from Matt Knight to Matt Fright. Ooh, Matt Fright Knight. Matt Fright Knight, oh. I gave you a middle name. You did. You did. You gave me a damn middle name. I've never had one of those before. My mom, my mom didn't even bless me with one of them damn things. I tell you. T- oh, no, Hank, Hank's already left, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't just come back can't in here busting in the room. I tell you what. Uh, I heard his truck pull out of the driveway. Is that a Ford? Absolutely. Yeah, I thought it was a Ford. Yeah, it's the only thing Hank would drive. His was an older... I mean, he'd drive it to the end of the street until it broke down. (laughs) (laughs) That's why Ford has those comfortable tailgates, buddy. I'm telling you what. I I drive a Ford, so I can say that. So I've always liked uh, Dodge trucks. You know, uh, that was one of the first trucks I ever drove, 
and I've always had an affinity for them. I saw a meme that's been shared the shit around the internet earlier this week that says that Dodge Rams are the Nissan Altima of trucks, and it pissed me off. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I uh, mean, but I think uh, you know. Well, no, I mean they had Sam Elliott do their commercials, right? Well, you know, there's no, there's no other reason to, to buy anything. If it's not endorsed by Sam Elliott. I mean, if Sam Elliott told me to buy a uh, iron, I'd go buy an iron. Yeah, if he told me to buy or, sand, or a blender. If he told me to buy a fucking sandpaper pocket pussy, I'd probably go get that <laughs> oh, son of a Jesus bitch. Christ. I wouldn't use it, but I'd buy it. I'd buy it, yeah. If she's shucking corn, it's going to be, you know, <laughs> got to be used for it there somewhere. A corn shucker 5,000. <laughs> corn shucker 5,000. I think cool. I dated her once. Oh, wait, no, was no, that out that, loud? Uh, you were the corn shucker motherfucker in that period. No, actually, I married her. That's right. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go, gentlemen. Uh, because she wasn't just a friend. I don't have friends. I got family. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Dom. <laughs> Dom Toretto. What a patriot. Absolutely. So so going back to patriot, uh, patriotism and, and being patriotic. Mr. Knight, you, you, you served. I did. I worked at this great restaurant called the Northern Bell um, back in 2012. That's not what you're no, talking about. No, that's really not. A server no, at no, a restaurant. No, you, you served this great country oh, yes. a, as a patriot in, in the greatest way a patriot can. Yep, you uh, volunteered for the U.S. military. I did, I did. Um, so they uh, they had some great sign-on bonuses post 9-11. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to buy this badass little Mitsubishi Eclipse, which I did. <laughs> and I wanted to pay for my college, which I didn't. Didn't go back to school. Um, but yeah, I uh, that 9-11 that, uh, weighed heavily on my decision in what to do in my, in my real, real life, mm-hmm. as it were. I... Um, I graduated high school in 03. 9-11 happened in 01. Worked a full-time job with my own apartment, 04 to 05-ish. And then I I joined the Army, raised my right hand in 2005. Uh, Went and talked to to a recruiter because, you know, my dad and I had had conversations. We were both along the same sort of political spectrum, I guess you would say, when it comes to we're neither... Uh, neither here nor there as far as Democrat, Republican, Green mm-hmm. Party, you know, the people who are most represented, you know, the, those who know the least that know it the loudest, so to speak. Exactly. Um, you know, the, the, the two-party divide, we're, we, we're neither here nor there. We're both a kind of, you know, try to be logical with everything and leave mm-hmm. people alone as long as they leave us alone and, you know, instill the, you know, values, you know, taught to us and our children and, you know, mm-hmm. so on and so forth as, as guys do. And, uh, he and I had some late night talks about things going on. And, you know, I was kind of disgusted about, you know, still nine eleven and the things that happened. Yeah. It was still really fresh at that point. Post nine eleven, And we were still really rebuilding and we were really still together as a mm-hmm. country. George, it was George, George laughable W. Bush choking on pretzels up there in the Oval <laughs> Office. You know, well, at least it wasn't Monica Lewinsky choking on other things under the desk, but or 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 our current administration choking on his own words. Well, we're not going to talk about the jello-headed cadaver occupying the halls of the White House uh, if he's <laughs> even there. Um, which you know, by the way, since he's been there, it's been converted into a nursing home. Yeah. Well, I, I'm curious if they resurrected uh, Jim Henson. 
to operate him during Somebody the has their hand up his ass operating his <laughs> mouth because it just doesn't line up to the speech. And I, you can you call me whatever you want for making fun of this guy, but dude, well, dude I mean, have you is, seen him? Have he, you fucking seen him? He is 106, so I mean, you might have to cut him some slack. Cat Williams coming in. Don't I make for y'all chose this man. <laughs> he was 97 years old, and y'all chose him, and he's up there doing the best a 97-year-old can. He's 98 years old. <laughs> that There's that whole thing. But uh, the people say you voted him in. I can't tell if that's true or not, but whatever. Uh, don't watch 2,000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza. I'm not plugging that. But, uh, you know, George George W., he was in there. You know, he was my commander-in-chief, so to speak. <laughs> I, uh, I went to MEPS, raised my right hand, said, uh, let's get on with it, boys. And, uh, you know, I thought, I thought that it was going to be it. I, I went to, you know, pay for my college, better my life, be able to help our country mm-hmm. post 9-11. I uh, thought I was going to join National Guard. And when I got to my National Guard unit, they said, we're going to Iraq. I said, y'all boys have fun. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. So that's what my retention NCO said to me after I said <laughs> what a bunch of times. Uh and uh, I was like, oh, well, apparently the message is I'm going to Iraq, too. And he was like, you got it, bud. You got it. You know, and I had never felt so much. Emotional, damn it. Because I thought I was, you know, out there going to be, uh, you know, doing my one weekend a month, my two weeks in the summer and good to go. Because I was like, dude, I just got out of training. He's like, it should be fresh on your mind, bud. Yep. <laughs> So that actually, that uh, my uh, thing was, I didn't pay that good of attention. <laughs> <laughs> but that that actually leads to a question I've kind of been curious about for a long time: is why the National Guard? The biggest sign-on bonuses. I shopped around. I'll, okay. be, I'll be honest. I, I, I yes, I'm a patriot. I love this country, but I'm also a capitalist. Absolutely. And if. Why would I do something for five dollars that I can go across the street and get paid ten for? Mm-hmm. You know, patriotism has a price. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna sign my ass over to somebody to use at its expense, leisure at its, at its expense <laughs> at, its, at its leisure, then you're gonna pay me for this sweet ass that I got. Yeah, I was gonna say, you can't say expense because they don't give a fuck about the money. No, they don't. They yeah, don't. They're, they're spending money that ain't theirs. Yeah, well, when I went overseas, that was the land of free money. Exactly. I mean, we, were, we were getting yeah, neither here nor there. Yeah. Had a, had a lot of free shit. I mean, you can watch The Green Zone to get a little bit of uh, information about that. You can watch The Green Zone. Uh, while I don't uh, support Michael Moore, watch Iraq for Sale. The, a hmm. great film. Probably the only good film that Michael Moore has ever done. Really? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, because I it's pretty true. much don't watch anything he does. Yeah, it's 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 the I first and last sale. piece of filmmaking that he will ever do. That's that's decent, but it's called Iraq for Sale hmm. by Michael Moore. That was before he turned into a three hundred and fifty-five pound female piece of shit. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, off the subject of meatloaf. Yeah, it. Uh, so you enlisted in two thousand three, two thousand five, two thousand five. Yeah, um, in the in the National Guard. And what was your your MOS? What was your job? Not it wasn't. I'm just kidding. Uh, it was a sixty three Bravo, which is an all wheel vehicle mechanic. 
Okay, and uh, again, was was kind of your guidance for that the uh, the enlistment bonus or what was it? Was it was? Uh, however, I thought I was going to be doing it for one weekend a month. Okay, and I didn't want to do a job in the army that I was going to be doing full time. Also, I loved working on cars. I loved working with my hands, mm-hmm. and I figured, okay, I can get this. It's like my hobby. It's my break. Mm-hmm. It's not something I'm going to go to actual school for. So I'll go do that. And then it was your full-time job for your entire deployment. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How long how long was your deployment? It was a year. One okay. year. One okay. year with a two week uh two week leave. Break leave. Break, yeah. Whatever you want to call it. Where the where, where where did our US government send you for for break? I came back home. Okay. Yeah. I, I could have gone to uh if you stayed out of the United States, you would have your break leave money would have been tax free, so a tax free two weeks. But I wanted to see my parents. I wanted to see my friends. Looking back on that decision, I wouldn't have done it. I'd have gone to Dubai. I'd, 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 <laughs> I'd gotten the tax break. I'd have got the tax break, and I would have spent all that on liquor and hookers and gambling, <laughs> and I don't give a shit what else. Because that's when I came back. Is when I got back together with my ex wife. Oh, ex. Wife. wife, yeah, yeah, yep, gotcha. Yeah, a lot of pain, a lot of heartache there that I could have avoided just by going and having some me time in Dubai. Well, you know, there's no way you could have known, so you know, live and learn and move on. Drink, yeah. drink some water, drive on. Drink water, drive on. Don't bring sand to the beach. Uh, you will never lose women chasing money, but you will always lose money chasing women. This, uh, absolutely. Uh, there is only one instance where it is okay to bring sand to the beach. It is absolutely encouraged to bring your woman to a strip club. Mm. <laughs> um, I feel like there's mixed emotions here. Certain women, yes. Oh, no, of course. It it depends on her. She has to be, you can't like involuntarily bring her. Well, no, no, no. Because Wifey Sauce loves to go to the strip club, but I know that the moment I come into the strip club with Wifey Sauce and I go up and like spend a nickel on a stripper, <laughs> she, you think she's hotter than me? No, you just leave her. You put her in the driver's seat, man. You give her the money. You say, you pick me out a girl. You you pick who you and want. And she's going to gonna go spend all my money renting a back room where she can strip for me. I don't mind it. I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not seeing a downside of the argument I don't mind here. it. I mean, it's, it, but, it, but we're the still prob- at money well spent. But the problem is I'm losing money when I have multiple rooms in the house where she can, <laughs> she can strip do that for, for me free. for fucking free. <laughs> <laughs> to Even to that stupid fucking TikTok song. It's, I want her to strip to me. That it's corn. It's a time to time with knobs. It's corn. I don't know this song. Oh, and I'm on TikTok all the time. Boy, oh god, you're gonna pull it up, I'm folks. Brace it. yourself. Brace your anuses. For me, I really like corn. What do you like about corn?
It's corn. So, so I, 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 I'm on TikTok way more than I would like to admit, and I think I've heard that song, but who the 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 content creators that do it they always like put something on the screen that you got to read yeah while that song is playing so yeah. i don't think i've ever acknowledged that song yeah it was it's funny it's just, it's just a little kid that he's talking about how corn is great and then some <laughs> guy was like some guy sampled it and was like it's corn it's That's a big lump of knobs <laughs> it's got the juice it's got the juice what the hell were we talking about patriots love corn <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is American as hell. But the thing is, were we supposed to eat it? Because a cow has five stomachs. True. And sometimes corn still comes out whole. Are we getting any nutritional value from corn? That's what I'm wondering. I think it's a valid... Because, I mean, it, it comes out pretty much the same way it goes in. Uh, was it the high fructose corn syrup is supposed to be super bad for you? So, All of these I mean, sweeteners it comes from, from corn. It comes from corn. You can fuel your car on corn fuel. That's very true. So should we be eating corn? Deep thoughts with Guy Wire. Yeah, but I'm going to keep watching corn, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I watch corn grow from sun up to sun down, boy. Knee high by the 4th of July. I tell you what, shit. <laughs> And actually, is it knee high? Or, no, it's uh, uh, at your eye by the 4th of July. Knee high to a grasshopper. Yes, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, anytime I drive through an area that got cornfields, like the first thing I think about is the date, like what date it yeah. is. And in relation to at your eye by the 4th of July. Yeah. And because and, and, all, all I'm checking is, is this farmer where he's supposed to be? Right, because where he's supposed to be is putting Vaseline on his ass and running backwards through that field. You know, that's one option. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My, how the turntables have... Turned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, let's talk about your buddy Chad a little bit. Absolutely. So, he's not here. Unfortunately, miss you, Chad. Do you know about the time that he enlisted, or about the time, or, or what made him want to enlist? No, actually, and that's a that's a, a great person to bring up. He had enlisted prior to nine eleven. I think he enlisted somewhere in two thousand ninety nine, somewhere in there. Um, so he, he he was one. Oh God, I'm gonna get flamed so much for this. <sighs> He was one of the teachable retardeds. Yes. Yeah. He uh, that, actually that's a that's a bad a, a very bad way of saying the people that enlisted right before 9/11 uh, while we were on the longest run of non-war time mm -hmm. possible and then mm -hmm. it's like oh shit. Now we're in wartime. Then the shit I, just got real. Shit just got real and those guys that came in to like uh, to Baghdad, to the, that initial push, mm -hmm. who didn't know that Afghanistan or the uh, the Iraqis ha and Afghanis had the access to these uh, shape charges and the explosives the that IEDs were left behind and, yeah. by years of war with Russia mm -hmm. and themselves. Oh, they had lots of practice before we they even were got getting involved. fucked up because the Humvees and the vehicles had fiberglass doors. Yep, let that sink for a minute. 
Like that that's 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 big shit right there. Yeah. And and I think that's something that gets skimmed over a lot of times. And it, it's something if you if you are interested in military and you understand what happened in the military during Iraq and Afghanistan, there was a point in time what around oh Five oh six oh oh four oh five oh six where they actually started oh, armoring oh four Humvees. I, I would probably say oh four to oh five where they had to start doing retrofit kits mm-hmm. on these Humvees, putting larger well not larger engines. They were retrofitting turbochargers onto the engines to pull the 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 weight that the frame wasn't designed to take. So frames were cracking on these engines. Wow. Which, as a mechanic, is one thing I would have to check with the, our fleet of vehicles. But before that, when they were getting hit by all these IEDs and this, you know, uh, you know, homemade jack leg uh, mm-hmm. technology from, you know, they, they were taking uh, uh, springs and putting them in between Christmas lights taking the lights off and stringing them across the road so when the spring was compressed by the vehicle tire, it would set off the detonation charge on the vehicle, but they're riding around with fiberglass doors and they're starting to get hit with this shit. And the guys are wearing their 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 flat vests. They don't have like the uh, the plate carriers or the mm-hmm. IBAS systems at the time, mm-hmm. so they're getting like other flat vests and draping them over the doors. But they still haven't figured out how to cope with the underbody of the vehicle, mm-hmm. and even the shape charge where they're pounding out a copper plate into a concave position and then blasting that out creates a ball of superheated copper that can go through pretty much any goddamn thing it wants to. Mm-hmm. So so to, to put that into layman's terms, for those of you that have not been in the military or are not understanding military jargon... They were getting fucked upader than I was. Yes, and and really the big thing is we as a country, our, our, our government, our U.S. military, sent our troops into a combat zone in vehicles that basically had tin foil for armor. Um, it, the, the, it, it, these it, it, Humvees, which was the primary vehicle for transportation, yeah. it, were not armored at all. And you're sending them into the Viet Cong, pretty much. Pretty because much. They, they don't wear uniforms like we do. Mm-hmm. This this was our generation's Vietnam. Yeah, uh, they were they would shove children in front of convoys to stop convoys. Con- well, it, it, it's really scary how how similarly Vietnam paralleled our involvement in Afghanistan. Well, the only difference is the terrain. You you, you come out of the rice paddies into the mountains. Well, and, and I mean, it was it was difficult terrain. Period. Whether you were in the jungles or in the mountains, it was difficult terrain. Well, even even if you go like to the the not the take the terrain out of it, and you're going through the cities, mm-hmm. and you're going you're just driving through a city like Tikrit, you don't know who has a grenade. Everybody mm-hmm. looks the same as far as the general populace. Yep. You know they're not wearing a you know a jersey with Tom Brady's name on the back of it that, you know, definitely says you're an asshole, uh, saying, you know, I'm going to throw a grenade at you. It can be whoever, whatever, wherever, whenever, when they feel like it. Mm -hmm. I would actually say that that could be a learned lesson for our powers that be. Our When do our powers that be ever learn a lesson? Well, uh, (laughs) 
but that could be a learned lesson for our powers that be that that think that their F-15s are stronger than the U.S. populace. The Viet Cong didn't even have rifles. <laughs> no, they had rifles. They were they were Russian um, surplus left over from World War II. Some of these there was a lot of U.S. Uh, there were a lot of uh, Viet Cong that were shooting Mosin Nagants. Right, but some of these fuckers were dropping down out of trees with fucking wooden spears. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a, a good parallel about, you know, yeah, the F-15s or whatever, but even other invading countries such never as... Never underestimate the little guy. Never underestimate Appalachia. <laughs> I'm American, and yeah. I don't go into uncharted portions of Appalachia that I've never, I've never been to, and I don't no. know the people. Yeah, have. you won't find me driving around West Virginia if I don't know where I'm going. Exactly. Yeah. There's a reason that a nail will combust a shotgun shell in a, <laughs> in, 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 a, in a piece of fucking galvanized pipe underground. And just as a reminder to those that might be listening, behind every blade of grass is a gun. <laughs> However, in America, behind every gun is a blade of fucking grass. So watch your ass and watch your shit. And behind every gun is a redneck. Yee yee. Yeah, not everybody enlisted, but everybody who enlisted taught somebody to, to fire a fucking gun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Well, off from the uh, morbid shit here. Pew, pew. BBK, <laughs> motherfucker. So why do we live in the greatest country on earth? Why, 21 years later, are we celebrating America after everything that happened post 9-11? Because it's still, despite every bullshit issue that we've got going on right now, despite the fact that we are a nation divided, despite the fact that we have a government that is labeling half of our country as terrorists, essentially. Two-thirds. Two-thirds, thank you. Yeah. A majority of our country as terrorists. Between 74 and 75 million patriots. Yeah. As terrorists. (laughs) I saw a good meme the other day. It's like, you thought I was MAGA before? Now I'm ultra MAGA. Right? You you just fueled the fire. Do you know why Billy Joel's clothes never got dry? He didn't start the dryer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, Ryan started the fire, so I mean, that's 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 very. But he didn't start the dryer. Damn it! Why didn't you start the dryer? Uh, just leaving those wet ass clothes in there to get moldy, soggy, wet. Got to put your tablespoon of ammonia in there now. Damn it, Ryan! So you, we're talking about the um, the lack of up armored on the Humvees and mm-hmm, what, what mm-hmm, the guys mm-hmm, were getting mm-hmm. into. So yeah, uh, when I got overseas. They had started to do the up armor kits on the Humvees for the convoy missions. They had started figuring out that the V shape of vehicle hulls would mm-hmm. blast off. So that you know, the U.S. government is signing off all kinds of contracts to companies like Oshkosh. Um, well, that's Blackwater. that's where they came up with the uh, the MRAPs, right? MRAPs, yeah, with the, that V shaped hole mm-hmm. to where it takes that blast of an ID under the pavement and and deflects it off the sides of the vehicle. So, and, and for those that don't know, an MRAP is basically a supersized Humvee that is designed to deflect 
IED it's blasts, a, it's, it's IED a, blasts from underneath. It's a small submarine on four wheels. Yeah, I think that's uh, with, a much better way to put with it. A, an, uh, with an RPG cage around it, which an RPG is a rocket-propelled grenade mm-hmm. that when it reaches its, it hits its intended target, it explodes. So if it explodes off the cage instead of the actual armor, then it doesn't do... Well, because RPGs have armor-piercing capabilities. They do. They but do. if it doesn't hit the armor, it right. doesn't... Correct. Do that. The blast is deflected. Gotcha. Which is, they, they had hexagonal or uh, octagonal holes on, on some of these vehicles. They started figuring out the technology. So when I got there um, in 06, from 06 to 07, um, the 101st, 101st had already gone. <laughs> gone. The puking d- buzzards, you mean? The puking buzzards, the, yeah, the idiot. The, the, they should not be allowed to wear the bald eagle on their shoulder because that's oh, not shit. that's not what American America is about. Um, but I was with 25th Infantry Division, and uh, we were coming from let's shoot the shit out of everything to let's win the hearts and minds. Gotcha. And that was a weird transitional time for me because we still are mad as shit that these people... So they they had a term for those. It, it, it's uh, uh, rules of engagement. The ROE, yeah. ROE, thank yeah. you. Okay. The, the ROE changed um, to uh, it, it was convoluted. It really okay. was. We had pin flares in our convoys where if somebody drove up on our convoy, we had this pin flare where we sh- we would first stop, we would audibly yell stop and put our hand up. Okay. Then we would shoot a pin flare at the vehicle. Then we would have a small arm, which we considered a 5.56 as a small arm. We would shoot that in front of the vehicle. Then it would get shot at the block of the vehicle. And if that still did not stop the pursuant coming on our convoy, that's when we got out old painless. (laughs) The old Ma Deuce. The old Ma Deuce. M2, 50 caliber, chain fed machine gun. (laughs) That girl gets. No sights, a tracer. <laughs> you just walk it in. A tracer every third round, and you walk her in till she starts eating what she wants to eat. There you go. Uh, but that started in front of the vehicle, then through the engine block, and then if that still did not stop the pursuant, then you just start filleting, <laughs> just putting shit to work. Whatever's in the vehicle, yeah. and, th- and then when we got hit by an IED, you you have to look and see what's around. The IED, does somebody look like they're running away from it? Okay. Rules of engagement after an IED blast get a little fuzzy because you just got fucked up. You can't hear anything. You can't really comprehend anything. You've probably got a concussion. mm -hmm. So you're just like, let me just shoot everything around me. So basically, and you said that took place around what, 05? That was 06, 06, 07. 06, 07. So there was a major shift in how the U.S. military uh, engaged our, our enemy. Correct. They, okay. they, so the 101st, 100 worst uh, got sent in prior to that. Like they sent in, all, it was all hands on deck from 01 to. Oh four, mm-hmm. oh four, oh five, two oh six. It was they sent in a lot of the combat heavy units. The tenth Mountain, twenty um, fifth ID had a big presence, which I was over there with twenty fifth ID. 
um, the 82nd Airborne. And ID's Infantry Division. Yeah, the, the 82nd Airborne uh, and then the 101st, 100 and worst was in Multinational Division North or MND North where I was at. Okay. And they were just, they were given the direction, just shoot the shit out of everything. Wow. And then we, I, I, we come in and we're winning the hearts and minds. I, I think it's funny that uh, the the rivalry within the cavalry divisions is still there. My, my father was a, a Vietnam veteran with the 7th Cavalry. Okay. Um, and, or No, I'm sorry. Correct me. The 1st Cavalry Division. Okay, so the, he had a hat. <laughs> yeah, he, he had, had the hat. hat. Yeah. But the 1st Infantry Division, or the 1st Cavalry Division, and the 101st Cavalry Division were rivals, essentially, for, for a long time. And the, I think it was the 1st Cavalry that did termed the the phrase the puking buzzards when referring to well that's, the 101st that, that's good because the 101st is literally in the u.s military the teachable retarded <laughs> well the the 101st did refer to the first cavalry division as uh was it they they're referring to their patches Pony boys uh no it's the the color of their backs and the lines they'll never cross and the horses they'll never ride Okay. okay. <laughs> if you've seen the patch, you get it. Yeah. But, the, uh, yeah. And then you have the broken TV patch. Um, I don't know what that one is. If you hadn't put me on the spot. Uh, you got the broken TV patch, which just looks like a freaking TV with static on it. And then you have uh, old iron sides. That's the first armored division. Okay, it's uh, I was thinking the big red, big red one, but that's not it. Yeah, the old Ironsides is the first armored division. Yeah, uh, you have the big red one, which mad respect. First infantry division. To the big red one. Yep. You know, going back to patriotism, I think that's the one thing that a lot of our country and a lot of the people in our country don't understand is the heritage and the esprit de corps. Um, that goes behind a lot of the military units that we have and how much how much history they have and in, in what they've done for our country. And I think so much of that is forgotten. It is. And I think even in, you know, like you like to say, layman's terms, it's there's a bigger picture. It's mm -hmm. not all about you. Well, and, and, and like we, we we've sat here and cracked jokes about the 101st. They were the they were the band of brothers. Yeah. You know, so many people have seen the Band of Brothers. HBO did an amazing documentary that if you've read any of the stories from the people, the, the books of the people that were actually there, the people that were portrayed in that miniseries, they did an amazing job of portraying those characters. Yeah. And those are true patriots and those are true heroes. And those are heroes that are quickly, quickly getting forgotten. Um, Captain Winters, uh, he was the commander of the Band of Brothers, and he was he's written a book on his own mm -hmm. that a lot of what Band of Brothers, the miniseries, was taken from was from his book. And if you take the time to read his book and understand his story and what he went through in World War II as part of our greatest, greatest generation. Um, the old breed. Exactly. You get a, a much more prolific and profound understanding of what our grandfathers and grandparents mm -hmm. went through in the 40s. Well, it's just like my grandfather was uh, the, you know, he was he was the old breed. He was the uh, 
In the first Marine Division, the first island invasion of Guadalcanal and Peleliu during World War II, and he was a tough son of a bitch. And that also reserves me to the the right to make fun of the hundred first of the hundred and first <laughs> and the first Marine Division. <laughs> And anybody else out there, because he and I had the jokes about eating crayons. I said, did you even, were crayons even invented in World War II? How did you survive? <laughs> like they weren't in K-Rats? Like what, what was your dessert? Jesus Christ, I wish I'd been there for that conversation. <laughs> oh, he he, he open hand paintbrushed me. Oh yeah, you had it coming. <laughs> yeah. And then I unarmed combated him. It, dude, it was, he was 86 years old. And he probably whooped your ass. No, I got him. I got the better of him. But uh, <laughs> You beat up an 86-year-old. I did. I did like, I only, like, I only earmuffed him a couple times. But... <laughs> But it was fun. Like we, like we, like he understood now. Like, okay, it's a respect back and it's a back and forth respect off off the branches, mm-hmm. you know. And that that's what you can do. But now there's none of that give and take. It's all of it's a me, me, me society, and nobody yeah. worries about the betterment of everybody else. Or a, should I drop this to help this? Mm-hmm. There's no give and take. It's always. My opinion is better than your opinion because I'm more educated. I don't care about your life experience because I've read more in books about it. You know, and I'd say that's that's probably a really good lesson that we could take from the military branches. Um, the military branches, Army, Air Force, Navy, Coast Guard, Marine Corps. Uh, not the Coast Guard. <laughs> They are a military branch, believe it or not. Um, we don't take any lessons from the Coast Guard. <laughs> but there is there has been a huge... They guard the coast. There has been a huge rivalry between these branches since their all of their inceptions. Um, I mean, you can go back to the Marine Corps was in... in uh, it came into in 1775, 7? It was right around, yeah... I always forget when exactly the uh, the Marine Corps was founded. But all of these branches of the military, they have had a rivalry that goes back 200 and 250 years. But at the end of the day, every member of the military, no matter how much shit somebody in the Army talks about the Marine Corps, somebody in the Navy talks about the Air Force, they all know at the end of the day, they're all doing the same job. All doing the same job. And if if I've fought with the Marine, I've got his back. Exactly. You know, it, it Marine or Coast Guard, I don't have your back. You just go guard the coast, you fucking... But I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The Coast Guard, you guys are cool. Go play on Baywatch, whatever you do. Uh, <laughs> in your red bathing suits. Yeah, and in your cute red bathing suits and your little helicopters and shit. You know, yeah. Do, do what you do. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I agree. I agree. It, it, and it, what we need is, is a... I hate to say it, man... It's it's a reinstallment of patriotism. It is, it is, and I hate that the last great one that we remember is nine eleven, mm-hmm. because of so many things that had to happen, and also for those of you on the Q side and the conspiracy side of what we say, there is a lot of questionable shit. How was one of the pilots' passports found two blocks? Mm-hmm. When airplane windows don't open and the jet fuel burns at this temperature and there was... Yeah, it should have been incinerated. You know, like there's a lot of questionable shit and I'm not here to bring that 
to light. There was there were massive American lives lost that day. Whoever did it, be mad at it. Band together as Americans, as a patriot, as patriots, and come together. Don't let this divisive politics bullshit suck you in and say, oh, it's Trump versus Biden versus Ron DeSantis versus Gavin Newsom versus this person. It's not. And at the it's, end of the day, take a step back. Take a step back from from whatever media source you decide to use to get your information. Take your Take a step back from that mainstream media. And say, how does this fit into being a patriot? How does my viewpoint support and help the greater good? Because that is what our grandparents did, is they took a step back. They said, they said, how what can I do to support the greater good? What can I give up? What sacrifice can I make to support the greatest country on the planet? Exactly. Stop thinking so selfishly, okay? The thing is, there are a lot of things out there that are working against you, but how does an ant build a colony? It works together with its brothers and mm -hmm. sisters. Next time you go to fill up your gas tank, remember that our grandparents at one point in time were rationed gasoline. They were rationed candy. They were rationed uh, 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 nylons, stockings. Mm -hmm. They were rationed the things that we take for granted. They were they were rationed so much of the stuff that the, we can just walk into a store, get on Amazon, or, or or walk into a grocery store and just purchase without any consequences, without any thought. Yeah, they were rationed for five years, and they could only ride dinosaurs for two hours a day, <laughs> and they up, <laughs> up, uh, walk to school uphill both ways with a with a, a hot baked potato to keep them warm. That's mm -hmm. that's what it, mm -hmm. that's what they did. So uh, so th ask yourself what sacrifice have I made for the greatest country in the world recently? Ask not what you can do for your country, but what can your country do for you? Yeah. No, you, I'm, I'm backwards. Ask not what your country, what oh, you, what your country can do for, for you, you but what, what you, you can do for your country. Yeah. Which is turn off the fucking news, get off the narrative. And go be a patriot and be good to people around you. Be good to your neighbor. If, if we're all good to our neighbor, if we're all good to somebody that we interact with on a daily basis. And, but don't covet your neighbor because that can get real sticky. <laughs> if you're lucky. Look, there's these commandments things in the Bible. I know y'all y'all ain't religious, but just try to do them commandments things. They're good rules to live your life for. Don't cover, don't covet thy neighbor. Jesus, Jesus will thank you. Don't be sexing up your neighbors. <laughs> don't be doing don't be doing it unless you're single and she's single, okay? Okay, guys. Okay, don't be murdering, don't be raping, don't be killing, don't be pillaging, don't be burning. We ain't Vikings out here no more. <laughs> <laughs> he likes mounds, he likes almond joys, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but folks, we just wanted to take this time to remind you that we live in the greatest country that has ever been. Not just not just that it is in existence today. We're, we live in the greatest country, the freest country, the freest Even country. Even though you've got to buy a license to fish, we are free. Turn off your news. Interact with one another. 
voting is private for a reason. You don't have to spew all your political garbage on Facebook or whatever social media that you know. Gabby Hanna, you mentally ill bitch, take yourself off of social media. Get out and vote and shut the fuck up. Get out, vote, shut the fuck up about it. Good night, folks. <laughs> you, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, do solemnly swear. I, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, do solemnly swear. That you will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of your ability, and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help you God. So help me God. Mr. Chief Justice, President Eisenhower, Vice President Nixon, President Truman, Reverend Clergy, fellow citizens. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom, symbolizing an end as well as a beginning, signifying renewal as well as change. For I have sworn before you and Almighty God the same solemn oath our forebears prescribed nearly a century and three quarters ago. The world is very different now, for man holds in his mortal hands the power to abolish all forms of human poverty and all forms of human life. And yet the same revolutionary belief for which our forebears fought are still at issue around the globe. The belief that the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. We dare not forget today that we are the heirs of that first revolution. Let the word go forth from this time and place to friend and foe alike that the torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans born in this century, tempered by war, disciplined by a hard and bitter peace, proud of our ancient heritage and unwilling to witness or permit the slow undoing of those human rights to which this nation has always been committed and to which we are committed today at home and around the world. Let every nation know 
whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. This much we pledge and more. To those old allies whose cultural and spiritual origins we share, we pledge the loyalty of faithful friends. United, there is little we cannot do in a host of cooperative ventures. Divided, there is little we can do. For we dare not meet a powerful challenge at odds and split asunder. To those new states whom we welcome to the ranks of the free, we pledge our word that one form of colonial control shall not have passed away merely to be replaced by a far more iron tyranny. We shall not always expect to find them supporting our view, but we shall always hope to find them strongly supporting their own freedom. And to remember that in the past, those who foolishly sought power by riding the back of the tiger ended up inside. <laughs> to those people in the huts and villages of half the globe, struggling to break the bonds of mass misery, we pledge our best efforts to help them help themselves. For whatever period is required, not because the communists may be doing it, not because we seek their votes, but because it is right. If a free society cannot help the many who are poor, it cannot save the few who are rich. To our sister republic, south of our border, we offer a special pledge to convert our good words into good deeds, in a new alliance for progress, to assist free men and free government in casting off the chains of poverty. But this peaceful revolution of hope cannot become the prey of hostile powers. Let all our neighbors know that we shall join with them to oppose aggression or subversion anywhere in the Americas. And let every other power know that this hemisphere intends to remain the master of its own house. To that World Assembly of Sovereign States, the United Nations, our last best hope in an age where the instruments of war have far outpaced the instruments of peace, we renew our pledge of support to prevent it from becoming merely a forum for invective, to strengthen its shield of the new and the weak, and to enlarge the area in which its writ may run. 
Finally, to those nations who would make themselves our adversary, we offer not a pledge, but a request that both sides begin anew the quest for peace. Before the dark powers of destruction unleashed by science engulf all humanity in planned or accidental self-destruction. We dare not tempt them with weakness, for only when our arms are sufficient beyond doubt can we be certain beyond doubt that they will never be employed. But neither can two great and powerful groups of nations take comfort from our present course, both sides overburdened by the cost of modern weapons, both rightly alarmed by the steady spread of the deadly atom, yet both racing to alter that uncertain balance of terror that stays the hand of mankind's final war. So let us begin anew. Remembering on both sides that civility is not a sign of weakness and sincerity is always subject to proof. Let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate. Let both sides explore what problems unite us instead of belaboring those problems which divide us. Let both sides for the first time formulate serious and precise proposals for the inspection and control of arms and bring the absolute power to destroy other nations under the absolute control of all nations. Let both sides seek to invoke the wonders of science instead of its terrors. Together, let us explore the stars, conquer the desert, eradicate disease, tap the ocean depths, and encourage the arts and commerce. Let both sides unite to heed in all corners of the earth the command of Isaiah to undo the heavy burden and let the oppressed go free. And if a beachhead of cooperation may push back the jungle of suspicion, let both sides join in creating a new endeavor, not a new balance of power, but a new world of law where the strong are just and the weak secure and the peace preserved. All this will not be finished in the first 100 days, nor will it be finished in the first 1,000 days, nor in the life of this administration, nor even perhaps in our lifetime on this planet. But let us begin. In your hands, my fellow citizens, more than mine, will rest the final success or failure of our course. Since this country was founded, each generation of Americans 
has been summoned to give testimony to its national loyalty. The graves of young Americans who answered the call to service surround the globe. Now the trumpet summons us again, not as a call to bear arms, though arms we need, not as a call to battle, though in battle we are, but a call to bear the burden of a long twilight struggle, year in and year out, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, a struggle against the common enemies of man, tyranny, poverty, disease, and war itself. Can we forge against these enemies a grand and global alliance, north and south, east and west, that can assure a more fruitful life for all mankind? Will you join in that historic effort? In the long history of the world, only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. I do not shrink from this responsibility. I welcome it. I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. Finally, whether you are citizens of America or citizens of the world, ask of us here the same high standards of strength and sacrifice which we ask of you. With a good conscience, our only sure reward, with history the final judge of our deeds, let us go forth to lead the land we love, asking his blessing and his help, but knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. <laughs>